Hello, Prestige Heads, and welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and comrade, Derek Davison. And we're very excited to welcome to the podcast today, Greg Grandin. Greg is the Peter V. and C. Van Woodward Professor of History at Yale University and the author of many books, from the blood of Guatemala to the last colonial massacre to the end of the myth. But we've invited him here today to talk about the most important issue that's on everyone's mind, and that is, should Rachel Maddow speak at history departments? No, I'm kidding. We invited him to talk about Henry Kissinger because Greg wrote an excellent book on Kissinger titled Kissinger's Shadow about Kissinger and his legacy. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, why don't we just start with the basic question? Like, obviously, Kissinger has occupied this outside space in the left political imagination, but you started your career as a Latin Americanist and you are to a significant degree still a Latin Americanist. So, Maybe you could place Kissinger in that context and why you felt it was meaningful to write a book about him, given your work on Guatemala, given your work on Latin America in general. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who spent a lot of time working on Latin America, you can't avoid Kissinger and Kissinger. Yeah, it's remarkable how what a short period of time he was in political office, not really only two two presidential terms, and 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 yet is the mark he left on Latin America in, in terms of mostly in terms of endorsing and supporting coups, uh, consequential coups. I like to think of them as the second wave of Cold War coups. There was the Kennedy coups after the Cold War in Salvador and and and, and a bunch of other countries and and Dominican Republic and El Salvador and and, and Guatemala also because there was a second coup in Guatemala in, in '63. And then there was the Kissinger coups, which you know followed the radicalization of uh, you know that that resulted from that first wave of coups, and then you know brought the left to power, social democrats to power, social national or economic nationalists to power in one country after another. And Kissinger was involved in in kind of rolling rolling it back. He treated Latin America kind of like as a fantasy game of risk, you know, where he wanted to. You know, he wanted to lock it down, maybe the way, you know, the, you know, the, the great diplomats of conservative diplomats of Europe locked down Europe after the Napoleonic Wars, right, and contained the threat of the French Revolution. In many ways, Kissinger was doing that with Latin America, but the analog being the Cuban Revolution. So, of course, the most famous is Chile and 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 his involvement in Chile and what you know and and the debates over that. His defenders, you know, arguing there's no evidence that he, that he and Nixon orchestrated the coup, as if you were going to find a document, you know, with the word "go" on it, you know. <laughs> Kissinger's business card left yeah. at the scene. Yeah. yeah, they still they still haven't found the Hitler order. Yeah. Hitler order yeah. the Holocaust. Yeah. You know, that's what neo Nazis <laughs> always point to. Did he really know? know? <laughs> and so, and so, for, you know, uh, you know, so he just played outside history, and and he was involved in that. You know, for those who were think about larger transitions in history and conjunctures. You know, the, the coup in Chile obviously is central in the histories that we tell about the rise of neoliberalism. So, you know, Kissinger's relationship to Pinochet and and relationship to Nixon in turn, you know, w- was a very, very outsized history that as a Latin Americanist, you couldn't help avoiding. Another thing, of course, about Kissinger is that he was like you and I, an outer borough boy. So could you maybe talk a little bit about where he came from and how he went from the Bronx to 
really being co-president on U.S. foreign affairs for a few years and a, a wild rise through the academy. You know, one of the first generation of the original meritocrats, one of the first Jews to rise to that position, let alone someone who was foreign born, you know, from the first time since the 18th, 19th, early 19th century. So could you maybe contextualize who this guy was why he's actually important to understand something like the American century, whose contradictions and promises, liberal promises, I think he embodies. Yeah, I think that that's right. You know, there is a way in which as a kind of uh, historians and journalists and past biographers often emphasize his alienness, that he was somehow skewed to American values. But as you said, he's a quintessentially uh, a kind of product of the United States, even though he was born in first Germany.